Hey everyone, just popping in here to share some big news that the price of the Families Fly Free membership will be going back up on Thursday, May 9th at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. So as I had mentioned before, we reduced the price of Families Fly Free by hundreds of dollars at the beginning of 2024 to give everyone a chance to get in at this lower cost. But we are now having to bring that to an end, and we do officially have a date when the price will be going back up. And again, that is Thursday, May 9th at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. So if you've been thinking about joining Families Fly Free, now is the time to do it. If you want to change the way your family is traveling, if you want to travel more and do it affordably, and if you want to use miles and points and travel rewards without it being a second job, learn a simple system to always be able to do this without a wallet full of cards, please come join us in Families Fly Free and do it before the price goes back up. You can learn more and sign up today at familiesflyfree.com slash join. Do you love to travel and save money? Or do you wish you could travel, but money is holding you back? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Families Fly Free podcast, where I show you how to fly your family free forever using my simple fly free formula. I'm your host, Lynn Mettler. My family of four has mastered the art of flying free as simply as possible since 2015. And I want to show your family how to do it too. Welcome back, as always, to the Families Fly Free podcast. I'm your host, Lynn Mettler. And if you're joining us on video, um, this one's also on YouTube. So welcome to our video viewers as well. So this week, we are talking about a topic that I know many of you are very interested in, which is cruising. And I am far from an expert on cruising. And so I've brought in a cruising expert um, so we can ask lots of those questions that I know you guys have about cruising. So we can show you how to fly free to your cruise, but um, we need a real expert to help us uh, with what to do and how to save on cruises. So today I've got with me Gary Bembridge. He is based in London and runs the popular YouTube channel Tips for Travelers, where he gives firsthand advice for making cruising easier to plan and making sure you have a good experience um, as much as possible. And he has been on, on my reading, you'll have to correct me, Gary, if I'm wrong, 95 cruises to date and about 10 every year. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And then my favorite part is Gary has traveled every month of every year for 30 years. I'm so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that with kids in school. No, I think with kids it's impossible. Yeah. Yes. So um, and and he is the most subscribed to cruising vlog on YouTube. So um, you're definitely going to want to check him out. Tips for travelers. He has millions of views on his videos. So, all right. So welcome, Gary. I thought we'd start by just having you tell us um anything I didn't cover there, you know, about yourself and how you got into cruising to start with. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. So, uh, Lynn, I mean, I, I got into cruising kind of by accident because like most people, you know, I always thought cruising wasn't for me. And lots of people think, you know, it's 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 not for me. And so I got into it by accident. I was actually asked to go and do a talk once on a 
cruise ship is like a marketing conference because that was my my background. And I thought, oh, I'll go because it'll be a chance to check it out. And the minute I got on board and realized just how wonderful ships were and everything they had, then we sort of sailed out and went out to sea. I kind of got the bug and then it just kind of grew from there. So so that's how I got into it, sort of by accident. I came back and said to my partner, right, we're going on a cruise. And they were like, mm, I'm not sure. And then now we just like just once you get on the right ship and go, it's, it's amazing. And they just kind of built from there. And so I used to I'd started. I used to work full time um, in marketing, as I said, uh, for Johnson and Johnson, actually working on baby products. And I had like a, an international job and I, I'm a bit geeky. So I started doing a podcast. And when YouTube started, I started posting on YouTube and then, you know, sort of erratically posting more cruising content. And it just sort of grew and grew and grew from there. And um, then I sort of retired from full-time um, work uh, in 2012 now, ages ago, focused on the channel, uh, obviously was able to travel much more, uh, cruising, and it just kind of took off from there. And so um, that's why I got now to as many cruises as I do. And um, and, and the channel just really took off from, from that. Yeah, awesome. So tell us about, you know, the different types of cruises that you take, and if you have a, a favorite kind of cruise that you like to go on? Yeah, I mean, Lynn, it's interesting because when when most people think of cruising, particularly people in the US, they they tend to think of the Caribbean and massive yep. big ships, you know, those big, mm-hmm. huge big blocks of kind of apartments that go out selling. And that's that is one aspect of cruising, but it's quite a small part. So the way I see there's probably four or five kind of main types of cruising. You've obviously got the classic cruising, which is your classic cruise ship. So obviously the Caribbean is the biggest region of the world. You have everything from massive big ships, you have a thousand, thousand people down to smaller ships. But that's kind of the classic, um, you know, cruise ship that everyone's familiar with. Caribbean, the Mediterranean, and Alaska are the three biggest kind of regions there. Mm-hmm. The other thing which I really, really like, and they're, they're great fun because, you know, they're vacations, sun, sand, all that kind of stuff, or seeing, you know, Europe, or whatever. The second area which I really enjoy a lot is expedition cruising. Um, which are smaller ships, they, you know, they, and they go to places like normally most of them will go to the Arctic, Antarctica, Galapagos. Um, then in between the seasons, they might go to Alaska or parts of Africa or whatever. Um, and that I really, really like because you, you're going to places which are quite hard to get to often by land. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's very exciting. Then, of course, there's river cruising, which is really popular. It's, it still tends to be a much older kind of thing in reality. Um, partly because of the cost, you know, European river cruising, Mississippi, you know, that, that's that's the sort of thing. Um, so then, then you also get what which people don't really do very much of, which I haven't tried yet, which is actually cruising on a on a freight ship. Um, so most, you know, most many many f- freight companies will take up to twelve passengers, um, and you literally will sail around with freight ships. And the reason it's twelve passengers is once you have more than twelve paying passengers you have to have a, a doctor and medical center on board so lots yeah you know, i haven't done it yet i was supposed to do one then pandemic came along so i haven't done it one yet so those are the kind of the main kind of types of, of cruising I, I love all of them other than freight i haven't tried yet so um because they're all kind of different and they all do something something very different yeah well um i back in the day i i worked in public relations so uh, a branch of marketing, right? Um, but I did public relations for Wilderness Travel, which is an adventure travel company. But they had some oh. of those kind of expedition type cruises that you were talking about, which I do think are really neat because they could, like you were saying, the ship could get in places in Antarctica or whatever that 
a small ship, you know, that a big ship could never get into. And it was an interesting way to see parts of the world like you couldn't buy land or that a big ship couldn't access. And then you could get out what and kayak around. And I always thought those yeah. sounded interesting. Yeah, um, I mean, is it, because, you know, a lot of people will think again, kind of like to think of anything cruising and think those big, massive ships. And I get lots of people will leave comments on the channel saying, I don't want to sail with 5,000 people. It's well, don't. <laughs> you can go on a ship, as you say, you know, with 50 people on some. I mean, obviously, you're going to pay more, but you can pretty much go with any size or and as you say you know if you really want to go out of way places go small if you want to go to the big popular places go big so i think that's also you know people just forget that that is cruising as as well yeah i think i'm definitely interested in in river cruising um at some point that looks that looks very appealing to me um and what about like transatlantic cruises so i know i've heard people talk about that like what you're taking the cruise ship where it's going back to port or something like that right and those yeah. are those less expensive yeah, I mean, transatlantics are very are very interesting. There's, there's two key things that people need to think about with transatlantics. One of which is the kind of the classic transatlantic, which is um, only done by one cruise line now, which is Cunard with Queen Mary Two, and that is, you know, they sail in the season, which really runs sort of May to October time. They basically, you know, backwards and forwards between Southampton and New York, um, and that is, you know, that is very much sort of styled on the old. Um, it's like a Titanic you know, type yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, that's yeah. whole glamour period when the only way to travel, the only way to cross, as the, the slogan used to be, was, was on that. So that, that is a whole very specific experience. And it's um, seven nights. I mean, the ship can actually do it in four, but people like seven nights now. So it's, it's seven nights. And that's a whole very different experience. It's all around dressing up and enrichment and stuff. So that's one side. The second side is exactly what you said, which is a, which is a pretty cost-effective way, actually, of going, which are repositionings. So basically, most cruise lines will have cruise ships in the Caribbean, which they'll have, um, you know, sort of from October to March time. Then they move most of those either up to Alaska or the bulk of them head across to the Mediterranean. So obviously, then you have, they have when those ships move, you have, it takes at least seven days, often 10 days or more to move. And so it's mostly sea days, but um, they tend to be very, very cost effective because a lot of people don't want lots of sea days. Uh, whereas you know a lot of people love sea, some people love sea days so you know you can go for much much less so what they tend to do is they'll tend to if they're going from the you know, if they're going across to the mediterranean they'll normally leave from the caribbean um, stop at some islands on the way madeira or the azores and then do a couple of your mediterranean ports and then go to wherever they're going to be based southampton barcelona rome wherever if it's going the other way the other part of the season they'll often do a couple of caribbean islands before they head into Port Canaveral, uh, Port Canaveral, Miami, or whatever, but they are really, really cost-effective. You know, so for example, now my last cruise I did was a Disney cruise, um, and the ship had one more sailing, and then it was crossing to uh, uh, from I think it was Lis was it Lisbon. It was going from across, you know, to Port Canaveral, where it's where it's based now for the for the the you know the the, the Caribbean season. Um, but you know, Disney is really expensive normally. You know, it's forty percent more than a Royal Caribbean. But you can go on a Disney cruise like really inexpensively if you're prepared to do transatlantic. You know, it's yeah. that kind of that's a good tip. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you but still so, get the whole like Disney? Like, are there is there entertainment and all that kind of thing? Oh my goodness, Disney! I mean, I I'm I'm not a big Disney fan. I mean, probably you know if you've got kids, to get everyone knows. Everyone yeah, we we do have lots of Disney people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
So it is, it's like stepping into, I, like I, I've actually just been making the videos around it. I mean, I'm describing, you know, stepping into a Disney kingdom and, you know, there's loads of characters, there's, you know, everything's obviously Disney, Disney music. They do have adult only areas as well where they kind of, they don't play Disney music, but, um, and, and it's not as Disney, uh, it's not as obviously Disney, although you discover this hidden Disney Hit thing. Mickey's. Exactly, <laughs> Mickey's all around the place, but it's not as overt. But it is. It's 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 a it's a very. I mean, you know, Disney does Disney. Um. So and they do it very well. I mean, by the end of it, it was like, oh my goodness me, I, I just need to escape Disney because I was like, <laughs> oh my god, I need to get that. I need to get some like non-Disney. But I mean, they do what they do is very what they do is is very well. I mean, they are very expensive, which is which you know for families is a real challenge because they are one of the more most expensive cruise lines you can cruise on. Um, certainly as a family. Yeah, so I think that's a good tip. Any way you can save is, um, and there doesn't seem to be very many ways to save on a Disney cruise, so. Exactly, yeah, yeah. When you're going transatlantic, um, do you run, like, is, are there rougher seas or anything like that? Well, it, 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 I mean, it, it, it varies a lot. So, um, you know, and it depends on, on the weather. So you, I've been, I've done transatlantics where it's been like completely still and calm. I've been on transatlantics where you've had 50 foot waves. Mm. that has to be more in the winter season so if you go more in the summer seasons you know you're more less likely to have rough seas also it tends to be rough in north atlantic so if you're doing the cunard one i was talking about you're more likely to have rougher seas which is why they you have a very specific ship you know it's a, a liner ship designed for that um whereas you know the cruise ships which do the the the, the, the um the repositionings are less designed for rough seas but you have you do have you're less likely to have rougher seas, but you, it's probably a good idea to have relatively good sea legs or basically just take seasick tablets and then you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Do you have a personal favorite cruise line? Um, I get asked that a lot. And yes. I always say, <laughs> but I always say my favorite cruise line is the next one I'm going on, um, which is not a way of dodging the question because it's often is true because I, you know, probably because what I do, I'm constantly trying new ships and different lines and stuff so so a lot of it a lot of it depends on where I'm going and one of the things I say often to people is you know a lot of people once they find a cruise line that they like they often stick with that cruise line the danger is coming back to saving money is they get so locked into it they forget that there are other alternatives which may actually be more cost effective or do something differently so um you know so I I have a few that I I like I sort of gravitate towards so I, I do like smaller ships so I like things like Oceania or Windstar kind of um, experiences. I like them. To, I like more when it's more adult focused because I don't I don't have kids and stuff. So um, they tend to be more more like that. But then, um, but then also, you know, it's great going to the Caribbean on a on a big ship that goes, you know, which has all of the, you know, uh, water parks and uh, go karts and stuff. So it really depends on what I'm what I'm doing. You know, if I'm going with my partner. They're like, you know, it's a gamble, big casino. So we've got a bigger ship with which has big casino or big production shows. You know, like Norwegian has Broadway shows on, full Broadway shows on. So yeah. it depends a little bit about what I'm doing and why why I'm going. So it's not a way of dodging your question. It's sort of like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> that does sound like I'm dodging your question, but no. Um if I if I was only gonna if I was only if I could only ever go on one line, I guess. I would go to the Caribbean and the Mediterranean, Panama Canal, probably on, say, Oceania. If I was going on an expedition cruise, I'd probably choose like a Silver Sea because they have very good expedition teams. But but I love 
you know, but it's, but, but again, that's very specific around where I'm going, I think. Well, that's a hard question. That'd be like asking what's your favorite place to travel to? Like, yeah. What's your favorite child? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, very fair question. <laughs> um, Okay. How about like in terms of cruising destinations, are there destinations that you think uh, people miss that are underrated that um, people really should see? Because as we teach people how to fly free, once they learn that process, then suddenly like the world opens up to them. They can go all these different places and that we kind of get in this place of, oh gosh, where, where should I go next? You know, uh, once you've hit the usual suspects, you know. <clears throat> I mean, I think there's a couple for me, which are sort of um i often think it's you know thinking about places that are hard to get to or hard to see by land is often where i sort of steer people towards you know so obviously you can go to the caribbean and you can see lots of islands in a short period of time and stuff but that's that, that's fine so so the ones that i tend to say that people probably don't do as often as they should do is things like the fjords which i'm actually where i went to on the disney cruise you know the fjords it's quite hard to see by land because just the nature of the terrain and it's quite hard to get around whereas on a ship you can you can get to see loads of, of places, but also because you're often selling through fjords, you know, day and night you have scenery. So, you know, still if you're going in summer, you know, you have midnight sun, it basically doesn't get dark and you can be out and you're looking at incredible scenery like all, all around you, which obviously if you're flying between the different places or whatever you, you see. So for me, the Norwegian fjords is, is a place that I think is undervisited, often because particularly, you know, people come from the US, it's quite a long way to come. But mm -hmm. fjords is one. Iceland is, a, is another one, um, which, which I encourage you to know. If you go to Iceland uh, on a land based, it's very, very expensive. You know, hotels, food, it's crazy expensive. Um, and also the way that, because the nature of Iceland, the middle of it is basically just a, a desert in, in reality. It's because of all the lava and stuff. So all of the, the interesting places are actually all around on the coast. So actually going on a ship is fantastic, first of all, because the costs are less crazy, but actually all the places you want to go to are all around the outside of the island. So can so you circumnavigate it? Exactly. And most most cruise lines will do a circumnavigation, either because they'll sell out of Reykjavik or they'll sell out of places, you know, like, um, like I'm doing one next year, setting out of Edinburgh um, and it's going up and, and back. And I've done one before out of, L in fact, at Tilbury out of London. So, so you can often, and you can do the similar ones out of, uh, say, um, or, you know, places like Copenhagen and stuff. So you can also, you know, do that. So also you don't have the whole cost of flying into Iceland. Uh, you can fly into somewhere that you can get a better, you know, you're more likely to get either, you know, using your system, uh, you know, low or no cost, or you can get there for not crazy money. The other thing that I, one of the destinations that people, uh, which is a strange one way is the Panama Canal. Panama Canal is one of the most incredible experiences. And you, you can only really properly experience it on a ship. I mean, you can obviously go and look at it, but going through a, the Panama Canal is uh, is is just you know amazing. So what, the, what's so amazing about it? Like, can you well, tell well, us more about that? Yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of it's just because you know because when you go, obviously they talk a lot about how it was built, why it was built, the politics, but also the just the whole scale of it. You know, the fact that twenty something thousand people died building it. Um, you, you know, so. Um, and and when you go through the old canal, you know, it opened in 1913, just as the First World War was starting, and it's still being used today, the same kind of mechanisms. It's just, you know, as you're going through, you, you're going up, I can't remember, like you're going up and up and up, up in this massive big ship, you know, through the locks, right up to the top of mm. the continent, across and back down again. So it's just this experience and seeing it and just 
you, you really feel like you're part of something historic and amazing. So it's that sense of, plus it's kind of mind boggling what you see, because you know, there's, a, there's a couple of feet either side of the ship um, that, that's going through. So it's just that kind of experience. And then it's, it's a good one because you then often, depending which way you're going, you might then do some of uh, bits of the Caribbean, but you go to places like Costa Rica or on the other side, you're going to Guatemala. So you're seeing some quite you know, unusual places as well, either side. So, so that, those are probably the, the ones that first come to mind. It's, it's those sort of places. Have you um, been to Cuba? I've heard that that's like a, you know, it's really yeah. unexpectedly beautiful to circumnavigate. Yeah, <clears throat> um, I, I, I've never got to Cuba. I had two trips booked on Cuba. And then during the Trump administration, they pulled all uh, tourism with, um, with, with Cuba, which of course has not been uh, restored by the new administration. So no, but I, I, I literally, because I'd heard it was so good, I had two cruises booked. They got pulled about a month before I was due to go. And I'd done a lot of research on it. It does look amazing. Uh, I, I would like to do that, but you can't, you can't do There are some, because I was looking at some, some lines that started to try and do some center of Jamaica, um, but then it was also, I guess, the way cruise lines are owned and all that. I'm not sure of the restrictions, but depending on ownership, they couldn't go and stuff. So people have kind of pulled yeah, away from all that. the fun politics of it. But... Or the, yeah, the complicated politics and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you see people all the time on your YouTube channel commenting you know, to making mistakes about cruising. So if, if there was one thing that you wish everyone knew Mm -hmm. about cruising what what would it be that's a hard question um, it's, it's <laughs> no no it's actually it's actually it's, it's a question because i get asked a lot and, and the one thing i would say to people is um it, it's sort of two things i'm going to answer but they're sort of linked the first thing is you know people often mistake cruising for cruising it's cruising is very very different so the most critical thing that you need to do is make sure that you get on the right cruise line and the right size ship for you and that's really really important you know, in my experience, the only people who've never liked cruising are people who went on the wrong cruise line. Um, and so that is absolutely key. And it is quite complicated. So one of the things that I always recommend people do is um, work with a travel agent. Don't go direct. So obviously watch my channel lots, get lots of tips, obviously. Um, but actually work with a travel agent because a, a good travel agent will, will invest time in understanding what's important to you or your family or your kids or whoever you're traveling with and work out what the right cruise line is. And then they'll make sure they get the right deals and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, but that is the most critical, critical thing. And they'll, because they'll, they'll work you through then all the complications about different fares and guaranteed fares versus this fare and all that sort of stuff. Um, but that is the number one thing. Can I give you a second one? Because there is sure. another second. Um, the second one is also, because I think it's sort of, probably will be of interest um, to the people who follow you because they're obviously interested in how to get deals and, and that sort of yep. stuff. The, the, the mistake that many people make with the cruise is once they've booked it, they, they then start focusing on the planning. One thing you absolutely must do when you book a cruise is track the fares um, because the fares, you know, often they can go up, but particularly at the moment and over the last couple of years and even still heading out of the whole pandemic and as it goes, Fares, generally speaking, are going down. So if you book a fare at 100, and if the fare goes down to 80, um, you should approach the cruise line and ask either for an upgrade or for a refund in the difference. And most people, they book, they forget, and they, you know, they don't realize there's all this potential saved money. I'll give you an extreme example. In June, I went on a cruise 
on Azamara. And by tracking fares, I got back $1,800. Wow. Simply by tracking fares. And what had happened is I booked, and I was going solo on that. And what they did is they, they were, it wasn't selling very full because a lot of Americans were traveling to Europe. So they were, was, and most of the passengers were, were from the US. So they need, they were reducing fares to attract people. So that was number one. Then number two, they removed the solar supplement. Now, if I hadn't been tracking fares, I would have known that. <clears throat> but I saw that, spotted that, um, got my agent to go back to them and say, we see the fares gone from 100 to whatever, it was 50. And they refunded the money because I hadn't paid final balance. So there was a couple of sites that you can do that. And there's a site called Cruise Watch where you put in your, your uh, sailing and it sends you uh, email alerts. And then you, then you go. Now, some cruise lines are better than others. So if you haven't paid final balance, a number of cruise lines will reduce the fare. Uh, if you, once you've paid final balance, a lot of cruise lines will uh, upgrade you. So in the last year, again, because it's been um, a lot of pressure, I think, you know, if I look at my last 10 cruises, I think on five or six of them, I've been upgraded by realizing the fares have gone down. I paid final balance, went to them and said, okay, I now see I can get a suite or I can get a better balcony for that price. Will you upgrade me? And they do. So, that so, is such a good tip. Yeah. I have emails every day from people saying, oh my God, I, thank you. I've saved this or I've got a, I've been upgraded like to a suite or I've got a better cabin. You know, maybe as time passes and trips get fuller and fuller and fares aren't as volatile that may be squeezed. But even years ago, I was doing that and, and getting from it. So it's, it's really, really important um, tip. Well, and that's like, that's really the same game we play with flying free, particularly with Southwest Airlines. Um, same thing with them. If the price goes down, you you get your points or your money back. Right. But you just got to check it. Exactly. There's only one cruise line that I'm aware of. There might be another one. Saga in the UK, they have a guarantee that if they lower the fares, they'll lower for everyone without you doing anything. But that's, I mean, there might be another line that, that I don't and know. They're just hoping you don't notice. It, it, exactly. exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, do you have any other good, you know, tips like that on on saving or deals? I know I saw on your channel you had some like ways to get free things on cruises. I thought that was um, interesting that people may not think about. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the key the key thing um, which was in that video is. Um, spending time to make sure what is really included in your fare. And so first of all, what's included, what do you get for free or included? Because although it's, I mean, you've paid for it. So it's sort of, it is free. Most people don't ask for it. Come back to the thing you said. But um, the other thing is particularly um, what do people often miss out is, is what perks they get either for status, but particularly relates to the cabin they book. Now it tends to be once you move into a balcony, a suite or whatever, there's often all sorts of things that are included, whether it's, canapes at night or a specific lounge where you get drinks or uh you know minibar stocked or or free laundry or stuff like that so i think i always say to people is like make sure that you really understand what's included that's the advantage again of working with a travel agent is you can say okay let me be clear about what i should be asking for on board what am i really getting but also when you get on board i always um recommend to people is is ask your cabin steward to say right in this cabin what do i get like um <laughs> uh, what do i get <laughs> Um, and then secondly, if you're not sure, go to the, um, there's always a, 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 a cruise line loyalty club person on board. They're often the same person who sells cruises. 
but it's worth, particularly if you've been on one or two cruises on the same cruise line, is going to them and saying, okay, I, you know, what do I get? Because often there may be other, you know, perks or things that you can get, in, you're entitled to. But again, you often have to ask for them. Um, and it never know. hurts to ask, right? Exactly. So that's what I say is, you know, ask your cabin steward, ask the loyalty person, um, and ask your travel agent, like, what, what, what do I get? So those, those are probably the, the, the key things that, that I would recommend there. Do you have any suggestions for how to find a good travel agent that specializes in yeah, cruises that, wherever you live? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a great, a great challenge because, um, I mean, there's a couple of things that, I mean, personal recommendation is always, is always the best. Um, so asking people like, do you use a travel agent and are they good enough that you would recommend them? So, so that's the key or ask people who do like, I get asked a lot around rec recommendations. So I often recommend travel agents to people. But one of the things I always say to people is what a lot of people do, uh, which they need to be very cautious of. Um, I don't know what's like in the airline side, but it's a big issue in cruising is people that go, okay, I'm not going to book direct. I've heard that. So they then go and they look online or they look in the newspaper and they see, you know, something, something.com cruise agency. And they go there and they book and they, they get dissatisfied because they find really bad customer service because a lot of those are selling packages and deals and it's a selling operation. It's not a, a travel agent as such. So why should I get a good deal if there's other issues like the fare thing we were talking about or flights get canceled or something? So it's what I always say is you need to find an individual, a person. So like I work with a person, um, you know, I've worked with for years, Sarah Bolton, who she's part of a group called travel counselors, which I think it's a UK group. So, but she works for herself. So she lives or dies. That's a bit of dramatic. She's a vested interest <laughs> in success, Exactly. Right? So, so she needs to make sure that I'm happy so that I'll book the next thing because she doesn't earn a salary. She earns commission. So, so she needs to keep people happy. She needs to make sure they're doing the right thing. And travel counselors is the advantage because that's all the back end and the financial security and all that sort of stuff. So I always say, you know, find individuals. The other thing that people should do or could do is CLEAR, which is the Cruise Line, International Cruise Line Association. So CLEAR, and I think the website's clear.org or something like that. But they, they, they have um, a listing of agents um, who've gone through training programs. So you can go to a training program on CLEAR and you do kind of, um, which the cruise lines run, you know, so you understand the cruise lines, you understand the ships, you understand cruising and stuff, and they have different levels. And they, they tend to list uh, travel agents there who are kind of, I can't remember, they're not certified, but they're called something, I can't remember what they're called. They've been vetted but, in some way. Exactly, they've been vetted in some way, they've been through training, they've passed sort of exams or whatever, you, it's not exams, but sort of little quizzes and, and stuff. So that's a good way, because you'll then know that they, those people really understand cruising. What about um, choosing your cabin? Um, I, that, I'm guessing that's a popular Question. Yeah, no, it's, no, it, it it is. It's interesting because it is very different to booking a hotel. You know, if you book a hotel, you just book a room, and when you go to check in, they give you a, a room. So on cruising, you can do it two ways. One, you can do it that way, which is you leave it all up to the cruise line, and that's what they call a guaranteed fare, and it tends to be a little bit cheaper. But what you do is you say, okay, I want to go an inside cabin. I say you have no windows, or I want to go ocean view, so I have a window but not a balcony. A balcony obviously has a balcony. Our suite was obviously bigger and grand and stuff. And then you can just book a fare where you say, I want to go on one of those and you leave it up to the cruise line to allocate. Now, I personally never do that um, because the, the thing with on a cruise ship is there are some good cabins and there are some bad cabins. You know, there are cabins above the theater, above the nightclub, below the nightclub, 
you know, below the kitchens or whatever, uh, or right, you know, in the front of the ship where the anchor is. So, if, you know, you know, so you could be disturbed in, in, when you're when the ship if the ship's tendering or whatever. So, what I always tend to do is um, I book the fare where I can choose my own cabin. Now, it's not always more expensive, but sometimes it's more expensive. On some lines, like Holland American stuff, celebrities, it's the same price. But then what I do is a very simple thing is I make, I look at the deck plan, which you can find online very easily, or get your travel agent to do even better. And I book ca um, a cabin which is surrounded on all sides by cabins, obviously not the seaside, but you know, on my left, on the right, above and below, and ideally opposite, because that gives you the greatest chance of having a good location, not being disturbed by anything, you know, theater, whatever, comings, goings, nightclubs, whatever. So it's that sort of sense of being surrounded. Um, and that's the first thing. Second thing, um, make sure that it's not an interconnected door because if you get rowdy people next door, that's will be annoying. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I always look, in, you know, so I look for that surrounded. Secondly, no interconnecting door. Now on some cruise lines like Disney, you know, almost all the cabins feel like they're interconnected because there's lots of people traveling together. You know, on other lines, there's less so, but that that's really my tip. The third thing, <laughs> down the thing is, you know, if you, <clears throat> one of the things I always recommend, particularly pe to people going on their first cruise, is book a cabin midship, i.e. in the middle of the ship, for two key reasons. One of which, it has the le least amount of movement. So coming back to your question earlier, you know, if you do have rough seas, in the middle, pretty much doesn't move because the ship pivots. So in the middle, you're going to have the least amount of movement. Um, and then you also, particularly if you're on a big ship, you're, you're midpoint for everything. So the theater is like at the front of the ship. Generally speaking, the, the restaurants are at the back of the ship. So you're in the middle. Uh, the pool deck and the buffets normally at the top of the ship. And then things like um, the bars and the shops are lower down. So you literally have the least amount of distance to walk. So midships is a good one. And I think particularly for first timers, because they're often nervous about being seasick once they've been on it, but less so, um, midships is a great, great spot. So it's quite a lot. <laughs> I'm, yeah. a bit, I'm a bit obsessed with cabins, but yeah. Well, and on, I've been on one cruise, <laughs> oh, <okay>. Princess, <laughs> but oh, okay. but we were at the front and it was very oh. noisy. So is that, that's typical? Yeah, so noisy in terms of... Um, like the ship sounds right, starting yeah, yeah. up and all of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So see, on the front, particularly, you know, you might have the sound of the water. You might have... Um, it was yeah, not the water, but... Yeah, you might have... That's where the anchor is. That's where some of the, the, the you know, the theater might be there. So, yeah, so it's sort of midships tends to be, tends to be better, yeah. And do you, um, do you post, like, videos of actual cabins where you've stayed, or do you look at other videos like that to see how your particular cabin is laid out? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the great thing about YouTube is, you know, there are loads and loads and loads and loads of, of uh, a cabin tours. So I, I do, I do. I mean, I, 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 I tend to, I do post, so I have to post a short one. So every cabin I go and I'll do a short, like, you know, the shorts or, or for Instagram or TikTok, I'll, I do the short ones, like a quick, like yeah. 60 seconds, here's the cabin. But on YouTube, there are loads and loads and loads and loads of them. I tend to do them less. I incorporate them more within within my other videos. But yeah, if I'm going on a new ship that I haven't been on before, I absolutely go and look at uh, the, the, the cabin tours. Um, and it's surprisingly how often you'll even find your very specific cabin number. Right. Uh, there. Yeah, there are loads and loads of them, which is which is great.
Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, okay. How about tips for packing for a cruise? Anything that you always. Yeah. So, so, I mean, and, and packing is like a massive, it's one of the most watched, I think topics on, on YouTube is packing and it's one of the most contentious or, or whatever. So I think there's a couple of simple to keep it simple. There's a couple of key things I think is first of all, I, what I say to people is always look at the dress code and understand the dress code. So some ships are very strict. I'll use an extreme like Cunard, very strict on dress code. You know, they have formal nights. You, if you want to eat in the dining room, go to some of the public rooms, you have to wear, you know, black tie, tuxedos, jacket and tie, nice gown for ladies, whatever, you know, and they will not let you in the restaurant unless you're dressed like that. You have to go to the buffet or whatever. Mm. That's the most extreme. Uh, then you might go on, you know, Disney or Norwegian where it's, if you want to wear shorts and t-shirt to dinner. Shorts and flip-flops. Yeah. Even on, you, know, you can't wear you can't wear your swimming costume and a, and a wrap, but you can wear you know you can wear shorts and t-shirt even on formal night. So understand the dress code really really important because that will determine what you need to what you need to take. Also within the dress code is look at the um, the parties. So cruise lines you know will have a white night or if you're on Virgin a scarlet night or uh, you know um, you know Disney will have a pirate night or Cunard will have a, a masquerade ball or wh whatever it is. They tend to be quite simple. You know, it's only a color or something. Because, you know, often you'll find on cruise ships, people like to dress up. So, you know, it means throwing in a white shirt or a white dress or something. So look at that side of the dress code. Secondly, of course, really importantly is look at what excursions you're going to be doing. Because a lot mm -hmm. of people, they sort of go off and they'll book, you know, realize they've booked to go on a glacier in Alaska and they pitch up to Alaska without a big puffy coat and a hat kind of thing. You know, so it's looking at those, all you need, you know, flip-flops and swimming trunks or whatever it is. So it's looking at what excursions you're kind of going to do. Um, and, and then, you know, thirdly is, we think that is you will always take too much and that's fine because unless, if you're flying, you're, you're only restricted by what the airline restricts you on. Cruise lines don't have any restrictions and there's lots of places you can put your suitcase. So, so generally speaking, uh, you, know, try, you know, don't worry about overpacking, just pack up to as much as you can take on the plane. Um, but the other thing is worth looking at, although most people don't fall foul of it, is cruise lines do have quite a long list of things you can't take. Um, mm. but they tend to be obvious things, like things that look like weapons, drones, uh, flammable things. But it's worth having a little look at those, particularly if you're a first-timer, because some people might think, like um, a classic one that people do is they take extension cords, which have surge protectors. They're not allowed, they'll be confiscated. Yeah. But within that, there are things you can take. So many cruise lines will allow you to take, say, you know, a certain amount of bottles of wine with you uh, or um, water mm, with you. Well, that's something, yeah, people probably wouldn't realize. Exactly. And it's worth checking because every line is slightly different. So Norwegian lets you pretty much bring as much as you want. Other lines will only let you bring one bottle per person. But it's worth, you know, doing that or looking at that because, you know, particularly if there's a particular wine you like or something. Now, you have to drink it in your cabin or in your balcony. You can't they'll charge you corkage, but you know, it's still going to be a saving. It, yeah. Making, yeah. So, you know, if, if you or your kid or whatever likes a particular type of soda, check if you're allowed to take that with you. Some do, some don't. So they, that differs. So it's checking those little, those little, those little things. Um, and then a little bit to your point on noise is I, I always take earplugs and eye shades just because you never know. So I always recommend just chuck them in and, you know, particularly, you know, if you forget, like if you're selling, to it tends to be more of a northern european issue but if you're going on a norwegian fjords cruise 
in July, it will not get dark. So you know, that you can be, be a problem. Exactly. So <laughs> you might be pleased with eyeshadow. So, so, so those, those, those are the keys. The other thing, uh, the last thing I would say is I always take a little like first aid kit kind of stuff, which is where I just put, you know, seasick medications, which even if you don't use this, it's kind of insurance policy, you know, headache pills, all those sort of things. And one of the things that I always take, although it's, and it's less easy to find in some countries, is a little tooth repair kit. Um, because one thing that ships, ships have medical centers, which you pay for, it's, and it's quite expensive, but they don't have a dentist. So oh. if you have a crown come out or, a, you know, tooth crack or something, having something you can temporarily kind of just patch it up with uh, until the next port or you get home is, is quite a good idea. So I always have one of those, yeah. yeah. And it's and I've used it, and I've lent it to you know let other passengers borrow it and stuff. It's sort of but they don't have dentists, so and you, you know, just if you travel, sell them on board. I know it's a it's tempting. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like you know if you travel. It happened to me once just where I got on a cruise in the Caribbean and my tooth had cracked. But our first port of call was Key West. Well, it's fine. It was easy to find an emergency dentist, pop off and see one. But if you're traveling somewhere more exotic or you're just nervous about going to see a dentist in another country or language or stuff. Just being able to tide yourself over is, is, is a good thing to have. Um, Cammy on my team, she likes to cruise, but and she always talks about bringing binoculars because you're out in the middle right, of the ocean right, and yeah, can enjoy yeah, the yeah. dark skies and, right, and all yeah. of that. I thought yeah. that was a good one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, my last question for you is what questions should I ask you that I didn't? I have to credit my friend Ken Countess, who's email marketing. He has his own podcast with this great question. I stole it from him. <laughs> The one question you've asked me is when is the best time to book? That's a question I think one of the most asked questions I get. Um, so, so that's one which I'll quickly, I'll quickly answer, I guess, if you want yeah. me to answer. Um, so in reality, there is no best time to book. However, there are two critical things that people should think about. First of all, if there is a trip that you really want to do and it's like you know bucket list or dream cruise, what I always recommend to people is book it when it goes on sale. And that might be two years before. They tend to release about two years before. The advantage of that is you will get, generally when they come on sale, is there'll be kind of offers. So there'll be extra onboard credit or there'll be an, you know, an upgrade. You pay for an ocean, you get a balcony. So you'll get lots of deals when they, because obviously they, they want people to commit. But you can make sure you can get on that exact cruise at the right time you want on the right ship with the right cabin. You have the biggest choice of cabins. So that if you're doing a bucket list cruise, book way in advance. And then, as we said, track fares. So fares shift, you, you, you know, you're not caught, caught out. If, you, if you're looking for deals and you, you don't mind, you want to go to the Caribbean, but you don't really mind which cruise line it's on necessarily or what cabin you're in, the critical next critical date is most cruise lines, you have to pay final balance 90 days before the cruise. Some cruise lines, it's 60 days. But after 90 days or 60 days, the cruise lines look at the sailings and go, right, we're half full. So we now need to discount we need to get people on. So they will start to do more offers and deals and promotions and stuff. So uh, that's also a critical time if you're tracking fares to look at what's going on. But if you are much more flexible, that's the time to be looking is, is around that time. So those are the you know, those are the two best times. People then ask me like, should I wait till a week before? It, it's much less so, you know, you might, you, you know, because by then the cruise lines decide, okay, we're selling 80% full. So, or whatever they're selling and they've kind of, you know, they're closing down, they've allocated the cabins and all that sort of stuff. So those are the two, for me, are the two critical times. 
And I'm sure if you can be, I would think, flexible on dates, you can probably get better deals, right? Yeah, I mean, flexibility, I always say to people, you know, the, it, it, I mean, it's almost like, a, I don't know what the graph is, but the more flexible you are, the more you'll be able to, because you'll say like, I don't mind, I'm going to go on, you know, Royal Caribbean, Wonder of the Seas with 6,000 people, I don't mind. Uh, but actually, or you can get a video on a princess with 3,000 people or a Oceania with 1,200. So if you're right, if you're very flexible, uh, obviously you'll be able to, uh, you know, duck and dive much, much more. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great tips. Um, Gary, will you tell us how people can learn more from you, where they can find you? Yeah. I mean, like you said at the beginning, I mean, the best place um, is, is on YouTube. Uh, so it's tips for travelers. It's spelled UK spelling, two L's. Two L's. Um, well, yeah. Um, but then I'm also, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook, Tips for Travelers, um, on Twitter, Gary Bemridge stuff. But the best, if you go to YouTube, that's where I am. And then there's links there for, you know, if you want to follow me on other, other social media stuff, they'll find me there. But yeah, YouTube is definitely the place to go. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of these great tips. And uh, everyone, we will see you on next week's episode. Have a great week. If you're ready to fly your family free forever, I invite you to join my family's Fly Free membership. You'll learn how to stop paying for airfare throughout the US, Caribbean, and Europe so you can make those priceless family travel memories before your kids or even your grandkids leave home for good. And you'll learn it using my simple proven formula that's helped hundreds of families. Plus, it's risk-free. You either get your investment in the membership back in free travel, or I give you your money back. You can get more information at familiesflyfree.com slash join.